Happy Sunday, everybody. Hope everyone is having a great weekend. It's Labor Day weekend. Uh, so if you are out and about, you're on a weekend trip, you're at, at a cabin or you're out just doing something cool with your family or friends, you know, excited to, to have you here this evening as well, uh, hanging out with me. Um, and, and for those of you that are just hanging this weekend, you know, hope you've had a good Labor Day weekend. Uh, those of you like myself and Pace, uh, we are still working Labor Day weekend and we are excited. It, it kind of gives us this, uh, you know, that opportunity when everyone is kind of like chilling for a couple days to get caught up on work, to get caught up on like some brainstorming sessions and planning and strategizing. It just gets a lot more quiet and it becomes, you know, fun to, to do some of that. So hope everyone's having a great weekend. Uh, you know, I'd be curious to see where everybody is tuning in from and we will get into it today. Uh, the topic today is all around the systems for getting started specifically you know not just for creative uh creatively investing in real estate but just getting your real estate investing journey started just at, on the foundational level and i'm going to address this to those of you that you know maybe haven't done a deal or you're you're you've done one deal but you know, you're kind of in that that's that realm of like, well, how do I get this thing consistent? How do I get more deals coming? Um, that's what that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and in really the systems to do it. And you know, one of my favorite acronyms uh, actually is system, which stands for save yourself some time, energy, and money. That's what having systems in place in your business is able to do for you. And so those are the things that you're going to want to be laying out and consistently working on and improving. And so uh, for those of you that don't know uh, the relationship, you know, that Pace and I have in our businesses, um, he is the visionary for our companies and I'm the integrator. So more of the systems oriented one, making sure the uh, that that big vision is able to uh, get into the nitty gritty of the details and continuously push that vision forward, um, you know, for Pace and, and myself and, and the businesses that we have. And so obviously having good systems is really important for that to be able to happen. Uh, for those of you that are new to Sunday service, uh, myself and my business partner, Pace Morby, we've been doing this for three years now. My, like it's insane that how fast this time has went, but we've been doing this for three years. And, and the reason that we started Sunday service is we wish there was resources available for us when we were first getting our real estate investing business going there were some coaches that you can go and pay a bunch of money thousands and thousands of dollars to learn the stuff but there wasn't many places to go where you can get it for free and and people that are actually doing deals meaning like we own real estate we flip real estate we buy to hold we buy you know do lease options we buy sub two we buy seller carries we do all sorts of cool stuff And so um, that's we decided to do Sunday services to be able to like, hey, like these are things that actually work for us. And, you know, take the things that make sense for you and where you're at in your life. Uh, the things that don't throw them to the side, don't need to implement them. But the things that um, you could go and implement on, we want to see you win and and hear your stories. And so uh, a good place to be able to share those, by the way is uh, we have a Facebook group called Creative Finance with Pace Morby. And so if you're not already in there, make sure to check that group out. You can go directly to Facebook, just type in in the search bar Creative Finance with Pace Morby and be able to dive in and you know network and, and start getting connected with the community of a lot of awesome people that are in there. 
All right. So let's let's go ahead and, and dive in. Everybody, uh, Mark says, you know, wrote it out. Save yourself some time, energy, and money. That's it. New Life Kenya says, dope, three years. Yes, three years. We've been doing this on Sundays. That is a commitment to all of you. Um, so, so we're grateful to be here. All right. Ruben says, damn, y'all's vibe is nice. Appreciate that. We're, you know... We're, we're just trying to trying to give back and, and continue to help more people uh, create the create the lives that, you know, we've been creating for ourselves and we, that we have created up to this point. So so let's let's dive in. What we're talking about again tonight is around the systems that have set up in your business to invest in creative finance, real estate. But let, let's just unpack that for a second. So when I'm talking about having, you know, systems in place, um, you know, for, for creative finance, uh, really, these are the same systems that you would need to have in place regardless if you're going after creative finance or not. So let's just break this down. When it comes to your real estate business in general, you know, for those of you that, you know, and if you haven't, I'm curious, you know, post in the comment section, um, you know, yes, if you haven't done your first deal, but yes, I want to get my first deal done. I want, I want to see who, who we have that hasn't got a deal done up to this point. So just post in the comment section there. Super curious to see. And so what, what I want to do is break down when we really look at, so we got, we got a few people saying me, yes, we got some few me's and yeses popping in there a lot. Okay. There's actually a good, good chunk. Andrea says working on my first now, congratulations. That's so cool. I, I remember just how special the, uh, getting the first deal was for me. Um, it's like this mysterious. So, so for those that haven't got it, when it's like, you know, being back to a teenager or however old you were when this happened, but it's like, you know, having your, your first kiss, right? It's like, it's this mysterious thing. And you're like, you don't really know how it's going to go or what the experience is going to be like. Like, that's kind of like getting your first deal done um, in real estate. Cause you're like, well, how is this going to work with me? Like getting the seller on board and like all of this stuff that has to happen, like the escrow, the money that has to go into it once I own it if I'm owning it, what am I doing with it? How am I going to manage it? Like there's all those things that, that, that come into play. Um, so love, love to see it. There, there's a lot of people here that haven't, uh, haven't gotten, uh, their, their first ones yet or a few people. Awesome. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So, okay. This first thing is I want to frame, frame the way that you're thinking about this just in general. Uh, as you're going after deals, because whether you're when, when you're getting your business started, really what you're doing is you're trying to establish what type of opportunities you're trying to do. So that's one of the first steps, I would say, because before the systems and all the cool stuff happens, uh, as far as what I think is cool anyways, is knowing what you're going after. And what do I mean by that? So if you haven't got your first deal done yet, it's really important to know what you're looking for. Because if you're looking for everything, then you're never going to find anything because you don't really have that narrowed down. So essentially what you want to do when you're going after your first deal is figure out what type of deal that you're going after. 
Because if you think if you're if you're working like I'm going to try to do, you know, my first deal could be a sub two, it could be a seller finance, it could be a wholesale, it could be a million different things. You're not going to be focused in and, and, you know, on what the one thing is that you're trying to do. And the one thing that you should be trying to do is not be so focused on that and instead be focusing on how you can solve a problem for a seller, because that's what we do as real estate investors is we get paid uh, crazy money to solve crazy problems from crazy sometimes people. They're not always crazy, but sometimes you get some crazy people that you have to crazy situations that you have to do. Investing in real estate is because we are problem solvers. And so if we look at going after, uh, you know, your, your first deal or your next deal, you have to establish, you know, where you're going to be getting that deal from. And so if we start from the beginning and I, I'm just going to give this example and you could recreate this for wherever you're trying to get a deal done. So if I'm, I'm in Arizona because that's where I live and I'm going to be doing business here, I want to know, okay, first of all, what type of person am I? Am I a person that I have a bunch of money already and I can, I could throw a lot of cash into a business and I could throw, you know, money into buying a deal and holding on to it myself? Or am I in a different situation where I don't have a ton of money and I can't just go and, and buy a deal myself and, you know, I'm going to be in a situation where I have to wholesale a deal, whether, you know, whatever type of deal to another investor. So figuring out where, where, where you fit in that and then going to market. And what do I mean by that? Going to the market that you're going to do deals in. So what I would do at that stage is figure out where what market I'm going to attack. So for me, I'm let's just use this as the example. I'm in Arizona and I, I'm going to you know go the avatar of I don't have a ton of money to go and buy these deals myself. Maybe I don't have a ton of money for marketing myself. I'm going to go find out where I need to be marketing first of all, right? So let's say, for example... Uh, this is a good action item for those of you that haven't gotten your first deal. I want to know where are deals being bought? Because wouldn't it be really helpful for you to know as a real estate investor, if you're going to be looking to buy deal, get deals done that people are actually want to buy in that area. So go to your market. Let's say for me, for example, I, I'm going to pick because it's one of my favorite cities to invest in, Mesa, Arizona. So those of you that are uh, that do deals in Arizona, if you ever get anything in Mesa, DM me on Instagram. We love to buy those types of deals. I love that's one of my favorite cities to buy in. So um, I, I know that I'm not the person that has a bunch of money to do these deals myself, but I'm going to say I'm focusing on this city. And this is what you should do when you're first starting is get get focused in on one area. So I'm picking Mesa, Arizona. So now what's my next step? Well, my next step is I need to know what the heck do people want to buy in Mesa, Arizona? So what I need to do is I need to use resources, free, a couple free ones. You could use Zillow. Look up properties that have recently been rehabbed and are listed for sale that look like fix and flips. Call the realtors. Say, hey. I saw that you listed this property for your client or if it's an owner agent, I, I saw you, it looks like you flipped this property. Are you buying other properties in the area? Uh, I'm investing in this area as well. And if I have a deal that comes across my plate, I just wanted to see what, what you're buying or what zip codes you're buying in or what types of properties that you buy. And if you understand what you're, you do that 10 times, you find, you know, five, say five to 10 different buyers that give you a criteria that say, Hey, 
I'll, I buy, yes, I buy in Mesa. I buy up to a certain uh, price and I will buy on these sort of terms or I buy at this sort of number. These are, this is how the deal would need to be set up for it to work. Now I know who my customer is. I know who I can go sell a deal to. So when I find something, when I create new inventory, when I create that new inventory of a property, I can bring that inventory to the buyers that I establish those relationships with. So, um, so that is, uh, and for those that, that are asking how you could send, send us deals, um, what, what I would do is send your deals to, uh, Molly, our operations manager for our real estate company. So Molly at americahomeoffers.com is who, who you want to send those deals to. If you have anything, um, we buy fix and flips. We'll buy, uh, you know, subject to seller finance, those sorts of deals. But if you want to send us a deal, send an email to molly at americahomeoffers.com. That's where you want to send the deal details to. So that's what I would do. So uh, let's let's go. Let's jump back to uh, to our process, right? Because this is going to lead into the system part. We know who our customer is. Our customer are those buyers that are actively buying rentals or fix and flips in that city. So now I know I have my ten buyers that would buy if I have a deal. So perfect. Now I can go in in that area and. With the information that I find from those buyers, because I'm going to ask them questions like, what price point will you buy? Are there any zip codes that you just won't buy in within the city of Mesa? Are there any, you know, are there any like the east side or west side of Mesa that you just stay away from? Because when I'm narrowing that down, now I can focus in on what, what, uh, what areas I'm going to go after. Because if I know that all the buyers say the, you know, say two or three zip codes are bad, they won't buy there. I'm not going to waste my limited budget on going after uh, whether I'm driving for dollars, whether I'm cold calling those people myself, whether I'm doing text marketing, direct mail. I'm not going to waste those dollars in the areas where those buyers are not actually buying. Because again, you want to be efficient with your money. You want to know where people are buying, where they aren't buying, and so that you can be as efficient as possible. Um. Awesome. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so I, I will go over our buy box here in a minute. So uh, I just want to get I just want to get this point out to everybody. <clears throat> so now I've established the areas that I'm going to go after. And I'm like, the thing that I want to get get to everyone is you can get deals done with very limited funds. Like when I first started wholesaling, I was driving for dollars which is the act of driving in neighborhoods of beat, basically where there's beat up properties or properties that are just a little bit neglected. I was using a yellow notepad. I had a yellow notepad in my passenger seat. I literally remember this. I, I had my yellow notepad in my passenger seat. I had my phone up on the maps feature. So whenever I would drive by properties that looked you know, a little dilapidated or whatever, I would uh, put those, I would literally use my map feature on my phone for free and add, you know, get the address, write it down in my notebook. So then when I went home, I could upload those to an Excel sheet. So then I could skip trace, basically pull the, the information of who the owner is of those properties and then hand call them myself. That's how I started. And that's how I got my first deals done. So 
whether you're in that boot camp of or you're in that camp of people that your budget is so limited that that's what you might be doing, you can do that and succeed and get deals. That's how I got my capital working to then be able to do other marketing. So that's, you know, a, a very, very cheap way to get it rolling. Um, but now let's talk about like just a basic couple basic systems for you to set up. So something that you can do, and I only recommend this when you're really at the very beginning stages of your business. Um, I have met people that they use like their notebook as their CRM, their customer relationship management tool, or where they like manage their addresses and sellers and their follow-ups. Bare minimum, it, just use Excel. I mean, even just like not overcomplicating your business and literally have an Excel sheet. You have seller's name, you have an address, you have, you know, your follow-ups in there. Once you get, you know, over 40, 50 people in your, in your Excel sheet, that's, you know, I would really look at investing in a CRM at that point. Um, there's, you know, versions of Podio that you can get set up with to manage your sellers and your follow-ups that you're going to be doing. Um, but if you're in the camp of you have a little bit of money to invest in your business, what I would do on CRMs, I don't have a strong recommendation. There, there's a lot of different ones. It's really going to be the one that works well for you. Um, and that's the easiest for you to use on a day-to-day -day basis. So if you have to watch some YouTube videos of a few different ones, I would do that. Um, but what we personally use in our business uh, I'll drop this in the, the comment section here for everybody because uh, this, this moves into my next point. So when you're getting, uh, you know, when, once you've established where, where your buyers for the inventory that you're going to get are, now you need to either do route one, which, you know, and this is, of course, every for everybody watching, this is if you're going direct to seller. There's other ways to find deals, but this is we're talking about direct to seller specifically. So what you're going to want to do is you need to actually have people to reach out to. So again, if I'm on a limited budget, I would be reaching out to the people that are raising their hand the highest of I have financial distress, which would be pre-foreclosures. So what I would do if I was you, and if you haven't already used this, uh, and, and already gotten, you know, set up on batch leads is I would go to batch leads, uh, doc, uh, .io forward slash pace, and you can get some free records to you there. I think you get like a thousand or 2000 free records. And then I would skip trace those. And then I would reach out to them either via text or via phone call and just be, you know, calling them and seeing if they'd be open to selling using the four pillars. If you don't know what the four pillars of, mo uh, of a good lead is for a seller. I have YouTube videos on my channel. Pace has some on his channel as well, explaining what that what that looks like. Um, but what you're what you want to do is work within the most motivated motivated type of people again, which are the pre foreclosures. And it's going to be uh, there's not going to be a ton of them, so you're not going to spend a lot of money on that either. So again, I would go to batchleads.io forward slash pace. And you could pull, uh, you know, pull the records in there, skip trace those properties all in that one place, and then be doing your work, which is calling those people, texting those people, reaching out, identifying what their situation is, seeing what what solution could be a good fit for them, and then, and then we get to the topic of this call: systems for creative finance, real estate investing. So, 
there really isn't a specific type of lead you're going after to just generate creative finance deals. Really what you're doing here is you're trying to establish like an acquisition arm of your business, which means you have leads and then you're finding a way to acquire deals through those leads that you're generating. And so through those leads that you're having conversations with as you're building your business, you are identifying uh, you know, what would be the best way to help this person, right? Because there, there's, there's obviously, we all know this, there's options that people have when they're selling a property, they could list it. So this is literally what our team will tell sellers when they have conversations. Hey, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller, um, you know, as we're into the conversation, why don't you just list it? And they'll usually tell you, oh, well, it's this, this, and this, and you know, that's why they can't list it. Okay, got it. Well, why don't you just rent it out or turn it into a rental or keep renting it out? Oh, well, they don't want to because of da, 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 you know, whatever those reasons are. Okay, well, so you're not going to list it. You're not going to rent it. Why haven't you sold it to one of the other buyers that you've talked to? We always assume they're talking to other buyers because they probably are. So, and they say, oh, well, they haven't either given me the number. I don't trust them. I don't believe that they're going to perform or whatever the reasons are of why they haven't sold it to another buyer. You're basically acting as a consultant for these homes, homeowners, because you're narrowing down to see if they're going to be a good fit for your business model, which is buying the property. And it's buying the property on whichever strategy makes the most sense. So say I'm talking to a homeowner. I'm going to give you guys a great example. I'm actually uh, this, my girlfriend, Hael, she has a homeowner that um, has had, had, had this property for, I think like eight or I don't know, eight to 10 years, something like that has a VA loan on the property. He just had refinanced it a couple years ago. Interest rate is 2.7% interest. He's had family living in the home for years, never was getting any more than the mortgage. So he's never experienced cash flow. And he has some equity in the property, but he's also owned it for years. So he'd pay capital gains if he sold this property. So essentially, what, what my, the strategy that I'm going to go in with this guy is when I have a conversation with him, because um, it's a seller that Hyle pretty much has, you know, ready to go, but we're just going to establish terms is. No, we're not going to try to buy it cash and pay, you know, way under what market value is because he said no to that. He said, no, I won't accept, uh, you know, a $300,000 offer, which is the offer that we would give him. But he would accept an offer at $425,000 if it's on our terms. So we're paying his price on our terms. So what are these terms? Well, we're probably going to end up paying him $40,000 down, which is a little bit more than we'd want to, but our taxes suck. So we're going to get some depreciation on it. So, you know, we're fine to, you know, put the money there. It's better there than going into uh, tax, the tax fund at the end of the year. So we're going to put $40,000 down on this deal. The seller has an underlying mortgage and that mortgage is uh, just about $1,100 a month. And so his mortgage is $1,100 a month. We're going to buy that subject too. So we're going to take that over. We're going to pay $1,100 a month. And then I'm, we're, I'm going to tell the seller uh, from the conversation that Hyle. So Mr. Seller, then on that $1,100 a month that we're going to take over paying for, 
we are also going to put another $4 a month in your pocket for the seller financed amount, which is the, the difference between what he owes on the property and then what we're buying it for. So we're going to pay him. So he'll see $400 a month in his pocket that he's never gotten in almost a decade of his time of owning the property. And he's also not going to pay capital gains tax uh, at, at, you know, at the, you know, with selling it cash at this time. So it's creating a win-win scenario where we are going to buy a property. We're going to put that 40 grand down plus, you know, assignment fee to high L we're going to, you know, paint it. We're going to do some stuff to it. So we're going to be paying $1,100 a month plus the $400 that, um, we're going to just be paying the seller on a monthly basis. The interest rate on the sub two loan was 2.7%. And then the $400 a month that we're paying the seller is going all towards principal. And we'll pay that. Um, it, it will balloon in eight years. So in eight years, we're going to have to refinance the property or we're going to have to sell it or do whatever. But in that time that we do own it, it's a newer built property. No real issues with it. We'll probably... Um, yeah, rent it for about 2000 to 2050 a month. So there'll be about, you know, this is gross cash flow, but around $500, $600 a month in gross cash flow with a net cash flow estimating around 300 to 350 a month. So that is just an example. And, and the reason that I wanted to just give that example is what happened there. We created a win-win solution for that seller based on what he was trying to accomplish. So the reason that I wanted to talk about that is when you're talking to sellers, when you start having these conversations, your goal isn't to like force people into a box of like, I'm only, I, I need them to sell to me cash, or I need them to sell to me on a subject to, or I need them to sell to me on a seller finance or whatever, whatever strategy that you're trying to uh, put into place you you have to be the person that you know like imagining like a con yourself as a contractor like you have a tool belt like you have a hammer that's your cash deal you have a screwdriver that's your subject to you have um you know a saw like that's your seller finance like you have these different tools on your tool belt and you implement them based on what the need is and what what the need is is determined by the seller's motivation their needs what do they need do they need all the cash now? Can they take the cash over time? Do they do they have uh, an impending you know foreclosure date? You need to get the transaction to happen fast. Okay, well, how are we going to do that? Like that that is really what you're doing in real estate investing is deal structuring and solving problems. And so, the better you get at just doing doing the simple things, like I said, very simple to be able to do this. When you're getting started, a very simple list to work is just pre-foreclosures. Why do I say those? Because they're raising their hands. They're missing their mortgage payments. Something is occurring in their life that's causing them to miss their mortgage payments. So where you could reach out to them, see how you could be able to help them out of that, whether it's utilizing creative finance or whether it's utilizing cash, whatever that solution is going to be for them, you're the one that's reaching out and trying to solve that problem. And again, um, you know, I, I have this for, for you guys, you know, on, uh, you know, to be able to pull your list, skip trace the list, keep it super easy. 
batsleads.io forward slash pace to get free. You know, I think you get like a thousand or 2000 records or something for free um, using that if you haven't been set up with batch leads. So I, I'm going to open it up for some questions here for, for a little bit. I'm going to go through and see what you guys have. We're specifically talking around systems for getting your real estate business going um, and getting your first deals or your next deals going in your business. And really, it's about not overcomplicating it. Daily discipline, daily action, getting to have the conversations with the people that have the highest likelihood of selling. Um, you'll hear a lot of people, they do, you know, it's like they're cold calling and texting and direct mailing and doing PPC and Facebook ads and all these different marketing strategies to, you know, all the lists, absentee owners, tax liens, pre-foreclosures, probate, divorce, like all the things that are out there. But really when it when you're getting your business going up until you're getting a couple deals consistently a month, you can focus on one lead source and focus on one marketing channel. So lead source, pre-foreclosures, marketing channel, cold call them, text them, whatever you're going to do, just one thing. And you can get to a couple deals a month just doing that. And by becoming an expert on that one thing, because what a lot of people do when they're getting their business going is they get squirrel syndrome. They see someone post a check in a Facebook group and they're like, got this $40,000 deal from direct mail. And it's like, oh my gosh, I need to do direct mail now. And then two weeks later, you see someone's like, got this $22,000 check from uh, doing Facebook ads. And now you're like, I need to do Facebook ads. Like all the marketing channels work, all of the lead sources work. It's just you working them consistently is what creates the reward from working that channel. So beautiful. Um, you can, uh, someone is asking if you could text, text with batch leads. You can, um, I I've heard that, um, like REI reply, people say they like that one better for texting. Um, we use batch leads specifically for like storing all of our data, skip, tra you know, pulling our leads, skip tracing our data. That's what we primarily use that for and stacking our lists, organizing all that data. Beautiful. Oh, Chris said, Cody is definitely the goat. Thank you, Tanner and Chris. It's, it's really not it. You know, it's, it's, it's daily disciplines. It's taking consistent, persistent action. That's, that's how, that's how you get your business off the ground. I love to hear this. Joel says, thanks, Cody. This is exactly the answer to my question. That's what we're here for. And, and this is, you know, to some may say like, well, this, you know, seems pretty basic. Remember this. Simple scales. Simple scales. You can grow a very successful business by keeping it simple. You don't want to overcomplicate the things that you're doing. Typically, you can you can work backwards and see like if you're not getting the results that you want in your business and like you're. Uh, you pulled the list, like you're calling the people, you could typically find it within the actions that you're doing. So, you know, really tracking what you're doing. And this would be, you know, I, I would, everyone should do this. 99% of people on here probably won't because this is a free, this is a free podcast that people listen to. And usually people that, you know, get something for free don't always take take the action uh, as seriously. But if you seriously in your business, just tracked what you did every day to get deals done, meaning 
How many calls did you make to new prospects? How many follow-up calls did you make? How many people did you actually make a, make contact with on the phone and have a conversation around the four pillars with their property? And if you track that every day and you got yourself to where you're having 15 to 20 meaningful conversations, not just like you got on the phone with this old lady and she told you about her 12 cats that she has, but she doesn't ever want to sell. That's not a meaningful conversation. Getting to like 15 to 20 meaningful conversations around, you know, they do want to sell. There's a motivation. There's a timeline. There's some sort of condition that they've given you with the property. Like if you do that and you're tracking and you're making sure you're hitting that five days a week, you will get multiple deals every month. It's it's really not rocket science. And if you're not, then you can diagnose. Why am I not getting deals? And it might be, I maybe, maybe you suck on the phone. That's okay because you could get better. You know, the first time you pick up a phone and talk to a seller, you might totally fumble and that's all right. I was so bad talking to sellers when I was first starting, but you know how I made up for that is I talked to more sellers. I had more conversations and I got better because I practiced. So that's really, that's really the, the model here guys is tracking, you know, taking the action, tr you know, tracking the activity that you're doing because you know, I, I had a mentor tell me this when I was 18 years old. He said, Cody, and he went on, you know, he's telling this story around, you know, people that aren't really doing what it takes to make their business successful. And he's like, Cody, results are often harsh, but always true. And you got to, you know, take that with you. Results are often harsh, but always true. So if you're not happy with your situation that you're currently in, that's the result that you created, you manifested this life. And so if you're not happy with it, you got to change, change the input to create a different output, create a different result. And this could be the time. I don't know. Is it the right time for you? Do you want to change things in your life? Do you want to live a better life? Do you want to make more money? Do you want to get, you know, more financial independence and then eventually financial freedom? You know, it's, it's up to you. You have to you have to draw a line in the sand at some point and say, you know, I'm sick of being where I'm at. That's when I have the most change in my life. Every time I get to the point of like pissed and I'm like, I am upset. I'm not going to I'm just not going to put up with this particular area of my life anymore. And I'm going to make it better. You got to whatever that looks like for, for you guys. That's what you got to do. All right. So I promised I would do uh, some questions. So let's, let's dive in here to some questions. Sam Houston hit it right on the head. He said, so true, Cody. Uh, they all work, but being consistent is key. That's it. That's, that's, that's the, that's the key to get it done. All right. Brian says, I've been wholesaling for a while, mentally demanding process, but worth it. Isn't everything, isn't working like a nine to five job mentally demanding? Isn't, you know, I don't know, being a parent mentally demanding? Isn't it being a good, like, you know, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, significant other, good family member, all of those things mentally demanding? Everything can be mentally demanding at times. You just, you know, you just got to 
just got to keep pushing through and know why you're doing it. You know, why are you doing what you're doing every day? Because that's what leads you out of the challenging times is understanding why am I doing what I'm doing and am I getting closer to the life that I want to live or am I going further away? So you can correct the actions that you're taking. Joel, this says, uh, Joel says, consistency. You won't be motivated all the time, but be getting being consistent gets the deal. You know, the, the difference between interested and committed, like you may know somebody that like they're interested in being successful, but there's a, someone being interested in being successful, committed, like, I are committed to being successful. We've been doing this podcast for three on Sundays at 7 p.m. We're committed. We have a, you know, committed. The difference between being interested and committed, being committed is doing this, the thing you said you were going to do, you had when you said it has passed you. You got all excited. You got all, you know, like, I'm going to crush it this week. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to take all the action. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to go to batchleads.io forward slash pace, get my free, you know, get some records, pull some, you know, skip trace some data, get after it. I'm going to call sellers. I'm going to text sellers and I'm going to, I'm going to crush it. And then two days go by and then you have a bad day or like every seller you call homeowner, you call just like yells at you or doesn't want to talk to you. And, you know, you have a bad, you know, bad work day and a bad workout. And then like the sellers are, or the homeowners are being buttholes. And now you're like, ah, I'm not going to work for a couple of days. Like the, the commitment is doing it no matter what commitment is doing the thing again, long after the feeling has, you know, has passed from when you first made that commitment. That's the difference between being interested and committed to your success. Oh, here's a good one. Um, Kaneen says, Cody, what does your daily schedule look like and how has it changed recently? So um, my personal daily schedule is a little bit different. I mean, you know, Pace and I own uh, multiple businesses now. And, you know, when it was just our real estate business, it looked different than what it is today. Because um, primarily our real estate business is all around fix and flipping and buying and holding. That's what we're, that's what we're focused on. We don't really wholesale much anymore because we're focused on buying to flip or buying to hold because we're just holding for the long term on, on our deal. So that, that's where our focus is. Um, but on, on my day-to-day -day schedule, um, I do go, I go to the gym three days a week. Um, so that adjusts on these days, but you know, like Mondays, I'm not a person that's like, I need to meditate and, you know, write journal and read for an hour and do like these 19 things to get my day started. Um, on Mondays, typically I wake up at 520. I get up, I get dressed, I drive to the gym, work out with my personal trainer for an hour. I drive home, I make coffee, I plan, uh, I review my plan for the day of the meetings I'm going to, anything I need to prepare for the day, um, send out emails that I need to get out in the more, you know, first things first, I eat breakfast, I listen to a podcast generally. Um, and then from there, I usually go to the office and get to work. That's, 
you know, and that's what I do. And I'll typically, depending on the day, some days I'll, I'll go home from, uh, from the office at four. Some days I'll go home from the office at six 30. I mean, at seven just depends on the day, what I'm doing, what, what's going on. Um, then generally the other, you know, the days I'm not going to the gym, like Tuesday, Thursdays during the week, um, I'll typically wake up at 6am. So get, you know, an extra half hour or so of sleep, get up, make coffee, uh, have breakfast and get immediately to work at home. Usually from like six, usually, uh, we'll, we'll take our dog on a walk and then I'll work at home from, you know, six forty-five, seven to about nine, usually, you know, get showered, ready, head to the office by 10. And then I'm there till again, four to 7 PM, depending on the day, the meetings, what's going on time of the week. Um, you know, that that's when I have. And, and so everyone has to do what works best for you. Um, I used to try a routine of like where I would get up and I would meditate and then I would like, you know, um, uh, I would work out and then I would read and then I would journal and do all these things. And like, I just felt like it was just too much. And like my, my best creative energy happens in the morning. So for me, just doing the things that really work well for me, like working out, uh, listening to a good podcast, and then getting, you know, getting some coffee in and getting right to work is what I prefer and what works best for me. So that's kind of generally what that looks like. Um, oh, here, here's a good question. So uh, how and what things should you pull on a pre-foreclosure list? So what I would do uh, on, in, in, and let me know in, in the comment section if, I mean, I could do this on another, uh, on another call, show, show you actually how to, or on another Sunday service, show you how to pull a list and, and batch leads and, you know, what I would be uh, using in the criteria to pull it. If you, if you guys would want me to do that, just comment, say, please pull a list. And then we could have the team see, you know, if there's enough people that want it, want me to do it, we could do that. And then we could talk about some other lead generation tactics on another Sunday service. Happy to do that. Um, but generally, uh, I, I mean, we could, we could do that on there, but, um, you know, the things that you're going to want to pull is again, you went and talked to those buyers. You had those five to 10 buyers that told you what their criteria is for what type of properties they'll buy. That's your criteria. If they say, I only want to buy properties, up to a maximum of $400,000 ARV, that means you want to be, you know, pulling a list of $400,000 and below properties. And if they say they all only buy single family houses, you should only be pulling single family houses up to $400,000. And if they say we won't touch anything in these two zip codes, you should not be pulling those two zip codes. So that's how you're going to pull that list is like you want to know pre foreclosures and then just know what your buyers will buy. And that's how you narrow down your list is, is by your, uh, your market. All right. WR says, I'm working pre-foreclosures now, texting and calling remotely. That's great. Just keep taking action on it and track it. Track what you're doing. The biggest thing that I see when people get frustrated about the results in their business is they're not tracking how many conversations they're having on a daily basis, how many calls they're making, and how many like those meaningful conversations. Because you will results based on the amount of activity that you're actually doing. So Robert says, I've been calling for a year and I've yet to get a deal. So Robert, here's what I would do is Pace has an amazing community within the sub two, uh, sub two creative finance community. 
So what I would do, Robert, is I would go into the creative finance with Pace Morby Facebook group and anybody could do this. I would go to that Facebook group, introduce yourself, say, hey, my name's Robert. I've been cold calling for a year and I've yet to get a deal. I'm doing cold calling in market you're doing it in. I'm doing it in Arizona. I'm doing it in blah, blah, whatever market. Uh, I, you know, I, I need to help. Is anybody doing deals in this market that if I got a deal or a lead opportunity that I could bring it to you and we could make money on this together? That's what I would do. So then you could talk, have, you know, meet some people, find some people that are doing deals. This is important. Make sure they're doing deals. If somebody is giving you advice or trying to coach you on anything in your real estate business and they don't have, they're not doing deals, don't listen to them. It's like the same as like, if you're like, I want to lose weight and be like super fit, like you would probably not go to the fat overweight personal trainer. You would go to the personal trainer that's shredded and is in, you know, and is able to help you accomplish by the fruit that they've created for themselves. So that's really important. But I would go into the Facebook group, introduce yourself. What are you doing? What are you struggling with? What market are you doing it in? And, and work on getting connected. Do that a couple times in different groups. Get connected with some people that can help you and give you some insight. Because typically, obviously, if you haven't got a deal, maybe it's not enough activity. Maybe it's a skill issue. Maybe it's you just don't know what a good deal is at this point yet. So there's multiple things that could be there. So that's what I would do. Um, you got to get around some people doing deals. This is another this is another good one. You know, uh, drop a, you know, a me too, if, if this is you. Brian, Byron says, I have access to too many tools on my belt. I need to learn how to take it one tool at a time. Yes. So that's, you know, picking one and going after that and then getting good at it before you're adding on. You don't want to stack on. Oh, wow. This is super cool. So Mike Silva says, I was watching a video of you last night that was dated March 2021. And I'm glad this still reinforces today what you said 18 months ago. It's generally, it's it's typically the same, same thing that you got to do. It's just these consistent mundane things that you have to do that makes the money in your business. So there's no like new secret. Like marketing will change. Yes. Like maybe calling or texting or direct mail or PPC or Facebook ads or like one of these strategies may be more effective one, you know, one day versus another. So those are things you have to uh, keep in mind. But, you know, generally it's like the same actions to get, get the business going. Awesome. Tyler says, how many VAs do you guys have cold calling? Um, that's really been narrowed down to, you know, less than six at this point. Um, again, like we're a big part of our focus is buying deals from other investors to hold and then buying them to flip. Um, so we've, we, we have a very small team that helps us do that. Uh, Molly being one of them. Love it. Love it. Dennis says, when you look at these pre foreclosures, are you only, uh, work working with those that have equity? The, some of the best deals that you can get are ones without equity. If you're going after creative finance, because you can take you know take over or you know buy the property subject to if they don't have any equity but they have a good loan in place 
there's a ton of people, thousands of people have loans in the 2% range up to, you know, low threes from refinancing over these last couple of years. So those are, you know, ripe for the picking on good, good interest rate opportunities where for you to buy those properties. So I would go after anyone in pre-foreclosure, whether they're a lot of equity or no equity, because there's a deal to be made. Love it. Okay. Going through, seeing what questions we have popping here. All right. John, I know you've posted this a couple of times. How long until you realized you could utilize creative finance for your leads? Um, I mean, for me, I, I did my first subject to deal within six months of being in wholesaling and I didn't know what it was. I had a lead on a condo in Chandler, Arizona that was filled with mold and it was too tight of a deal to be a cash deal. But I met a guy at a meetup that said that if uh, he could, he knew how to do creative finance and I didn't know what really that meant. Um, and this deal wouldn't work cash. So I was just like, Hey, Brian, I have this deal. Can you help do something with it? And structured it sub two didn't know how to do any of it so then i'd have to come back to him so that was not awesome but still was happy to get the deal done um and so it was about six months and then it kind of opened my eyes to like hey there are other ways to do uh do deals and just cash so that that's the the answer there all right So many, let's see, you guys always answer the right questions, man. Ruben says, you guys always answer the right questions. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, Ruben. And I appreciate all of you that that tune in on these Sundays. You know, the, the biggest way that we can, you know, get back from doing these Sunday services is, you know, if you share it with your friends, if you think that there's other people that you know that could get value from what we do on these you know, posting it on your Instagram, tagging Pace, tagging myself, and you know, getting getting the the message out there of what we're doing every every Sunday when we come on here, and you know, just try to try to bring bring actionable things. You know, these are like things that you can actually you know listen to, and if you take action on, that it'll actually make a positive difference. Besnick says, Cody, what field were you in before real estate? So. I actually, uh, I've always been kind of a, an entrepreneur. Um, I had, I, when I was like 15, 16, I was sourcing, um, you know, these like power balance bracelets from overseas in China and I was buying them for super cheap. Uh, like they were like overstock of them and I would buy those and then I would resell those. Um, you know, so I was buying them for like less than a dollar and selling them for like 20, $25. Um, so that was like my, one of my first entrepreneurial ventures. And I read all, all of Robert Kiyosaki's books before I turned 18. So I was just like gung ho on like entrepreneurship. Um, and I did network marketing. I built teams around the world, um, had about 2,200 people in the downline of the network marketing company that I built. Um, a good chunk of those in Norway, Sweden, um, you know, within Europe. And, uh, you know, a couple states here in the U.S. So that's what I did um, from 17 to 21. And, uh, 
you know, at 21, I transitioned into real estate and I wanted to invest in real estate. So I got my real estate license, did that for a couple of years. Um, didn't really invest in much real estate as an agent. I just worked with clients and then put kind of my, uh, you know, I don't know, flag in the sand of like, I am going to just do investing in real estate. I don't want to do this agent crap anymore. So I didn't really enjoy it. Um, so, you know, then transition to that. And here we are. I don't know. What is this like five, six years later? So that's the uh, Cliff Notes version of all of that. I like what Donnie said here. The chicken is interested. The pig is committed in an eggs and bacon breakfast. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of times like people don't become successful because like they're not willing to like put their backs against the wall and just like I'm going to be successful. Like when I got into real estate, my thing is anything that I do because I had a mentor when I was in my, uh, my teenage years that told me this. He's like, Cody, any venture that you're going to get into, commit to four years to be successful minimum. If you're not willing to do that, don't even waste your time. If you're only going to just try it out or be interested, don't waste your time. Go get a job. Just do that. And you're not you're not cut out for entrepreneurship. And so that always stuck with me. I mean, it's been, ten, you know, over 10 years since um, I was told that. And so I've just always had that in mind. I'm like, you know, anything that I'm doing, I'm committed four years minimum in any business uh, to make make it successful. Here's a good question, and, and I'll take a couple other of these questions before we wrap for the night. Um, Brian says, Cody Pace mentioned you're more of an integrator. Could you go into your strengths? Do you enjoy being on the phones? I'm torn between both, uh, but more systems backend oriented. Lean into your strength. Um, I didn't mind doing lead management. Like when Pace and I first started working together, I would generate the leads and I would call them, follow up with them, and set appointments for Pace to actually, you know, do a, a phone phone call to try to close it or for him to go in person to try to close it. Um, I never really liked negotiating with the sellers. I can do it. I know how to do it, but I didn't get joy out of doing it. I got more joy out of like building our teams and like, so that that's where my strengths more lie. Brian is around uh, building teams, leading teams, uh, you know, recruiting, hiring, training, um, you know, finance, finance management, system management, um, you know, understanding all the all the things that have to come together to make a business flow smoothly. Um, that's where my strengths more so lie. And so I, I just lean more into those those strengths. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is a great one. So Cody, what do you think has changed for you in mindset to attract the success that you have? So um, I've read hundreds of personal development books. Like I said, I read all of Rich Dad, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's books before I was 18. I'd probably read, read, you know, 40 plus personal development books by the time I was 18 and then was going to, you know, personal development seminars and events three, four times a year for the last 11 years. So I've had other businesses where I started, failed, been successful in some other ventures along the way, invested money poorly, like all of these things that, you know, then helped me learn 
and become the person that I am today. So it's, it's, it's lifelong learning, you know, and the best place to pick up is like, what's the next, what's the next, this is the thing you ask yourself. What's the one next thing that I need to get great at for my life to become significantly better. And you could, you know, obviously frame it if it's for your business, like what's the one next thing that I need to be, uh, become great at for me to go to that next level that I'm looking to get to. That's what I always ask myself. Uh, Angie's saying, when you say get to work, this is in regards to my morning routine, I think first, second or third task, literally, like as soon as I get started, um, I use a few different apps within our team's communication. We use Slack at our real estate and media companies. So I go into Slack and I send out any messages, respond to any messages in Slack that I need to. Then I jump over to Mattermost, which is what we use at our company Start Virtual for our internal communication. I send out messages for anything I need to, respond to any messages I need to. Then I jump over to my email and then I go through my emails, respond to the emails, send out any emails that I need to. And then I get in and I have a physical, I have a leather bound notebook that then, because I, I like writing, I, I have my Google calendar that my team sees, but I like writing out everything that I'm going to get done in the day and then making miscellaneous notes of things that uh, I want to make sure happens during that day. So then I schedule in calls or meetings or, you know, send out messages around, you know, things that I review what we're trying to accomplish for the day or that week and, you know, get, get on top of my tasks for that. So that's typically what I'm doing. All right. Let okay, so there's a lot of people that said pull a list. So I'll talk with Pace after tonight and we'll see when we could do uh do a Sunday service polling on polling lists. Ooh. This is a good one. Sean says, Cody, I'm an integrator with my partner who's 100% visionary. You could, you should drop some more content related to yours and Pace's relationship and how integrators and visionaries can work better together. Sean, um, I would love to do this and make maybe some YouTube videos around this. Um, if you can do me a favor for me to do that and message me on Instagram, just like direct message me on Instagram and just say, hey, you know, these are... Uh, different topics that I would love some more insight on. And I could make YouTube videos on those. Uh, with my team's bandwidth, they'd probably be out within a couple weeks, two, three weeks. I'm happy to do that. Tyler Townsley, him and Eddie Marin, uh, the Bass Bros, they're awesome. Um, you know, for those that are looking to get connected with some great sub two students, uh, these guys are great to be able to work with. They'll help you work deals. They they have the resources to be able to, you know, make things happen for you. So um, I, I would definitely connect with these guys. Ooh, here we go. Best way to track calls, texts, etc. The easiest way that you're going to do it. If you need to just freaking tally it on your on a notebook, go to an Excel sheet, type in at the top calls, like literally or, you know, each day of this week, calls made, contacts, meaning you actually had, you know, they actually got on the phone with you and then prospects that you got the four pillars from that day and then offers made. And that's it. Throw it in an Excel sheet. Just track that. I, one of my buddies, uh, Brandon, 
he's been just doing that same strategy in his business for like six years. And the dude makes a million and a half, two million a year. This does it in Excel sheets. So don't overcomplicate it. All right. I am going to grab one, one more question. Then we're going to wrap up. So many, so many good questions. All right. I'm going to end on this because I think this, this will go for, for everybody. So Gary says, Cody, what books slash book are you currently reading? So when I read, I only, I only buy books around a challenge or that I have or around something that I'm just trying to learn more to be, become more proficient in. Like say if I'm trying to grow my leadership skills, I'm in a season where I'm like, I need to become a better leader. I'm buying leadership oriented books. Um, you know, like right now, like I'm really trying to become stronger with understanding uh, bigger multifamily deals. So like I'm reading some books around multifamily, repositioning multifamily, um, how those deals work, like what what are investors really looking for? So like I'm, I'm really working on that. Um, and then I have a couple other books that are, you know, around negotiation and strategy, because as my role has grown within the companies that we have, you know, people rely on me to be a, a good uh, strategist and, uh, you know, a good negotiator with terms and, um, you know, and, and partnerships and things like that. So those are books that I'm, I'm reading um, right now. So really, you should read the books that are most relevant to where you're at right now, um, because I, I don't. I don't necessarily, I don't like recommending books like just read this book. And it's like, well, if you're not in a season of like needing to read that, it's like, that's a waste of your time. So I only like reading books that I literally won't take book recommendations from people. So if anyone ever gives me one, I'm sorry, I'm not going to read it unless it's a book that I need right there at that time. I'll usually add it to like my Amazon list. But if it's not a book, like I'm struggling with X. And you tell me like, here's a book about mindset. I don't struggle with my mindset. I don't have issues with that. I wake up every day and I'm ready to work. So I don't need to read books about like, I need to get, you know, I'm going to try harder tomorrow. Like I don't need that, you know? So it's like, you got to read the books that are w with whatever stage that you're currently in. That's, that's what I would do. So um, so, so with that, guys, I am going to wrap up for tonight. I hope everyone's had an awesome Labor Day weekend. If you have plans tomorrow, have a good time. Um, you know, be safe. Um, if you're going to be out, you know, having fun. And, you know, if you're like me, you're going to be getting in some work tomorrow. You know, let, let's get after it. Have an amazing week. We'll see you guys. Uh, Pace and I will be together next Sunday on Sunday service. And, and as always, you know, the best way to give back to us is, you know, downloading, uh, you know, Sunday service on Spotify, iTunes, you know, sharing on Instagram, taking a picture, tagging Pace, myself, uh, joining our community within the Creative Finance with Pace Morby Facebook group. Jump into these communities with us. That's that's the thing that we want to see. We want to have the biggest and best communities. We want to have the biggest and best podcast uh, in real estate investing uh, when it comes to creative finance. And we want to have the biggest and best communities as well. So um, that's how you can give back to us. And we're super grateful for it. it gives us a lot of emotional income to, to see uh, each of you, you know, have something better happen in your life, even if it's something small from something that we can, you know, help help you overcome. So um, with that, have an amazing rest of the night, everybody. And get after it this week. Best time is always now. And we'll see you soon. Oh, oh, oh.